Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Books. Today I'm reviewing a book that is a crow left of the murder of what I normally review. The book is called Evolving Ourselves, How Unnatural Selection and Non-Random Mutation Are Changing Life on Earth. Evolving Ourselves is published by Penguin Audio. It's written by Juan Enriquez and Steve Golins. Now initially, this book was meant to be my side chick, that book that I was reading but didn't plan to review, but it sucked me in so deeply that I didn't end up reading anything else, so here we are. Uh, the book is not a business book, it's not a self-help book, but it is the kind of book that ends up informing your worldview, and ultimately to me, those are the types of books, while less universal, that are far more important to be reading. So welcome to the world of what I find fascinating. I'll be really curious to hear what you guys think, so be sure to leave some comments, let me know what you thought about this one if you dove in, if you found it interesting and useful. For the record, I haven't been this intrigued while reading a book in a long time, so I hope you guys get as much out of this as I did. All right, impactful takeaway number one. Humans are now the primary drivers of evolution. Let that one sink in. No longer is evolution a random biological process. We have completely taken it over. From massively decreasing infant mortality rates and removing virtually all of the maternal danger in childbirth to literally being able to edit our DNA with CRISPR and other techniques, both present and future, we are now deciding who lives, who dies, and when. The brutality of natural selection has been replaced with the far more humane, albeit non-random selection, of human intervention. We have significantly extended human life in the process, but there are many side effects to our rapid evolution of our environments and selection process that are as yet not fully understood. All right, impactful takeaway number two, and bear with me guys, because this one is a little beefy, uh, but hang with me because it's pretty interesting. As humans, we have four parallel evolving genomes, and we're messing with all four of them. Number one, core DNA. We now are beginning to realize our abilities to manipulate our core DNA, and it's absolutely crazy. CRISPR is a game changer and leaves us having to confront the question of what we're actually prepared to change about ourselves. Once there is no limitation to the changes that we can make, what changes will we make? And CRISPR actually lets us go in and edit sequences of DNA. It's insane. It's worth reading the book just to learn more about CRISPR. If you're not gonna dive into the book, go to Google. It's nuts. All right, the second one is the epigenome. The epigenome is a multitude of chemical compounds that tell our genome what to do. This revolves around the question of how much does our environment impact our genes and how they're expressed. Uh, you've probably heard of it referred to as epigenetics. Uh, our genetics have something akin to an on-off switch in them, and our environment determines what's flipped on and what's flipped off. 
This is an oversimplification, obviously, but it hints at how much our rapidly evolving environments could possibly affect not only us, but our children, our grandchildren, and in some cases, even our great-grandchildren. To test the degree to which epigenetic changes can be passed on generationally, a study was devised where rodents were allowed to smell really sweet almonds and then had their feet shocked. The rodents then became really afraid of the smell of sweet almonds, and though their offspring never had their feet shocked, ever, they too were afraid of the smell of almonds. So were their grandkids. So merely shocking and creating the fear in the first generation was passed on to two subsequent generations through epigenetic changes in their gene code. That is crazy. It's what the authors refer to as a genetic scar. We don't yet know how many generations an epigenetic change will last, but in rats, it seems to last up to four generations. All right, the third thing, the microbiome. We live in concert with a whole host of microorganisms. They help protect us from germs, they aid in digestion, they produce vitamins, and a host of other things, many of which we're just beginning to understand. With our dramatically altered modern environments and lifestyles, we are causing a rapid change in our microbiomes. This could have far-reaching consequences for things like allergies, digestion, and with our overuse of antibiotics, our ability to fight off bad bacteria. All right, four, virome. Now, I had never even heard of the virome before reading this book, but one really interesting fact is that at least 8%, 8% of the entire human genome is viral in origin. We have more viruses within us than we have bacteria. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've always thought of viruses being purely bad, but that clearly is not the case. And so, as with the microbiome, as we begin to be able to edit viruses, we have no idea what the unintended consequences are gonna be. And those are all the things that now we're able to remove from the world of natural selection and bring into the world of human-made evolution. It's gonna be interesting and probably a little bit weird to see where we end up with all of that. Impactful takeaway number three, gut instinct is real. At least 500 million neurons, neurons, the same things that make up your brain, stretch from your throat to your anus. That's the equivalent of 6.6 .6 mouse brains laying outside of your skull telling your body what to do, what to eat, and how to react. You basically have a partially decentralized brain in your body. The neurons in your gut produce as much dopamine as your brain. This is important because this is the key neurotransmitter for rewards and pleasure and influences emotional responses. Also, 95% of the serotonin, which controls appetite, sexual response, and pain in your body, resides in the enteric tract, which is a fancy way of saying basically the bit that goes from your esophagus on down. All right, impactful takeaway number four. State-of-the-art science in genetic engineering is super advanced. I was actually really surprised to see just how much of the stuff that I thought was sort of distant future is actually happening right now. Every year, right now, this has been going on for a while, there is an iGEM competition at MIT where high school kids, high school kids, develop competing living organisms. They develop things like higher yielding corn, bigger pumpkins, and self-assembling organisms, yes, Self-assembling organisms, high school kids, this is crazy. Look up MIT professor Edward Boyden. He is the lead person doing research in stimulating the brain with light and implanting things in the brain, including a sensitivity to certain colors of light, which gives people the ability to turn on and off certain functions of the brain, which hints at a whole direction of neuroscience, which could get incredibly, incredibly interesting. And in terms of combating some neurological diseases, could be a total game changer. In an attempt to find new 
new cures to neurological diseases, scientists are actually implanting human brain cells into animals such as mice and finding that when they do, listen to this, because this one freaked me out. When they do, the mice learn up to three times faster. Alzheimer's research found that transplanted human stem cells lead to mice with improved spatial learning and memory. When one inserts human glial cells into the brains of newborn mice, the new cells grow and eventually overwhelm many of the original mouse brain cells. Think about that. It is like a human-mouse hybrid, which makes me think of Flowers for Algernon, which if you guys know that story about taking a human and making him smarter than he was. Think about what happens when we start making animals smarter than they are. It gets really weird. They go really deep into it in the book. It's absolutely fascinating. The genes that are responsible for language in humans that are absent in uh, primates is actually a very small difference. And if we can go in and change it, we could conceivably give apes the ability to speak, which is straight up Planet of the Apes. The stuff is getting crazy and they're able to do a lot of it right now today. So soon you're gonna have mice that can learn much faster, retain memories longer, and have brains that transfer information up to three times as fast as normal mice. That's all happening right now. Normally I do quotes. This book isn't exactly ripe with quotes, but there's a lot of amazing statistics that made this book really fascinating. So I'm just gonna share some of those uh, in place of the quotes. All right, one, older women have heavier babies as do heavier women. Every five year increase in the mother's age increases the likelihood that a child will be obese by 14%. Two, whole head transplants are not far off. In 2002, Marcos Parra was hit by a drunk driver so hard that his head was nearly completely severed. The only thing holding it on was his spinal cord and a few arteries. Dr. Curtis Dickman had been planning for such an eventuality and used some screws and a piece of his pelvis to reattach the head, neck, and spine. Parra not only fully recovered, but he was playing basketball six months later. That's crazy and really hints at where we're gonna be able to go with this. Imagine if you're able to keep somebody from bleeding to death, you could take the head off of one person, put it on the body of another. If you were in a situation where you had a viable head and brain and you had a viable body, but the head of that body uh, was brain dead or whatever the case may be. And the question becomes, how much of your personality, your consciousness, all of that is actually stored in your brain, which when I was reading this, I just assumed all of it, but then when you get into the fact that 500 million neurons are scattered elsewhere in the body, that the microbiome can influence personality, it begins to ask some pretty interesting and far-reaching questions. All right, three. In the year 1300, less than 5% of England was urban. Even in 1910, only two out of 10 people lived in cities, compared to now, where it is dramatically different. And that means that a massive global urban migration happened in less than 100 years. Now, what's interesting about that is when you talk about evolution on that rapid of a scale, even when you're talking just environmental, it's so hard to predict what all of those changes mean to us as humans. And when you look at the rise of things like autism, being able to put your finger on what exactly it is that caused that when we now interact with way more chemicals than we used to, that we're in an environment that's way different, that it's way more sterilized. Like think about how much we used to live in the muck and when we were farmers and herders and we were spending all day around livestock, you were just around a much more diverse microbial environment. So how much is that rapid change affecting us? It's hard to say, but those are the areas that people are exploring now. It's utterly fascinating. All right, four. In the United States in the 1970s, only one in 10 women was childless. Now, it's two in 10. 
1970, only one in 100 women had their first child after 35. Today, eight in 100 do. Now, when you think about the fact that for every five years, you had a 14% increase in likelihood of obesity in a child, and you begin to muddle the issue of what exactly causes generational obesity. Fascinating questions. This book goes into exploring so many more than that. As always, guys, there is just a lot more ideas and things in the book than I'm able to capture here in this, but I hope that you guys take the time to dive into this one. It was endlessly fascinating from the first page to the last. Now, normally, my favorite part of the book review is how I plan to use this book in my life. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I have no idea how I'm gonna use this other than at party trivia, it makes for fascinating conversation. In fact, just today at our company team lunch, it was all we talked about because this stuff is fascinating. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's not like uh, your traditional business book where it's like, okay, here are the key takeaways that you're going to put to use in your life. But nonetheless, this is the kind of stuff that stays in the back of your mind, that rattles around, that connects different ideas. This is the kind of stuff that really does inform your worldview and help you see in a much broader perspective. All right, guys, this is a weekly show, so be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.